opened your eyes. He's opened my eyes to a lot of things uh, in regards to the relationships that we have, uh, choosing the relationships that we have, developing the relationships that we already have. And um, uh, so we want to continue to dig in this. But I want to do just a quick recap of the past couple of weeks, a few things that we have looked at uh, so we can get geared up for what God has to say today. Uh, relationships, the first thing that we saw, uh, relationships have to be kingdom-minded. When you understand the Bible and you understand God, uh, you'll understand that everything about God and everything about his word is kingdom-related. has to do with the kingdom. God is a king. Uh, he was ruling in heaven, and then he wanted to extend that kingdom to the earth. And so in Genesis chapter 1, 26, uh, when he created man, he placed man on the earth and gave him all dominion and all authority to rule in this kingdom, just like he rules in the kingdom of heaven. That was our principal design. That was your purpose in life. That's what you were created for. And so we've been taking a look at relationships because when God created man, it didn't take him real long. If you actually find out in the very next chapter that he realized Adam can't do it alone. So immediately we've already seen that God has created an individual, but then realizes he needs someone else to operate in relation to, to help take care of my purpose for him. So relationships need to be kingdom minded. The reason we enter relationships it's not because the other person's good looking or you've known them all your life or they're your father or your mother or your sister. You enter a relationship because they can help you fulfill your purpose in the kingdom of God and you in turn can help them fulfill their purpose in the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what we looked at in our first week. And so we identified that our number one overall relationship that you will ever place the greatest amount of investment in in your life is between you and your heavenly father. That needs to be your number one area of investment. If we're investing more in our relationships with our spouses, relationships with our parents, relationships with our children, relationships with our friends, coworkers, whatever relationship it is, more than you are with God, then this relationship's going to get out of proportion to this relationship. And we took a look at Jesus. Jesus lived on the earth, and he developed relationships with people. He had relationships with people. He had a father. He had a mother. He had brothers and sisters. Then he uh, gained uh, followers, disciples, that uh, at times got up to over uh, 500 people that would literally follow him. Then we had the 12 disciples. Then we had the three that were real close to him, Peter, James, and John. Those were his friends. But he never put any relationship in his life above his relationship with his father. So anytime a relationship that went this way didn't get in alignment with his relationship this way, he immediately knew not to go with that, but to stay with his father. And we identified there was a time where Peter got up in his face. Jesus was talking about his purpose in the kingdom of God. And he said, hey, guess what? I've been assigned to go to the cross. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit on. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die in three days. I'm going to rise again. That is my assignment to fulfill my purpose in God's kingdom so that you can live right with him one day again. Well, Peter didn't like that because Peter was tight with Jesus. Peter, Peter liked Jesus. He gave him the thumbs up and he said, hey, we're best buddies. And Jesus didn't 
get moved by emotion. He didn't get moved by a relationship with a person. He said, if you're thinking out of line with my father, then you're wrong. And I'm not going to be moved by that. And so he told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, Matthew chapter 16. And then what did he say to him? He said, you are not mindful of the things of my father. You don't think like my father does. And since me and my father are so tight and that's our number one relationship, that's the person I create the most investment with. If you don't think like him, I'm not going to think like you. So you need to think like my father. Because we identified that anyone you enter a relationship with, you enter a relationship in your mind. You then begin to think like them. In return, you act like them. And you share those values. You share those core. You you share those things with those people when you develop a relationship like that. So the number one relationship you need to make the greatest amount of investment in in your life is between you and your heavenly father. Then you will properly prioritize every other relationship that you have. We brought up the example when Jesus was in in, uh, a house teaching. The house is covered. The house is full. People can't even get in. And they come in and say, hey, Jesus, uh, uh, your mother and your sisters, your brothers, they're outside. They want to see you family. Can't get any tired of that. I mean, we're sharing blood here. And what does Jesus say? He said, who is my mother? Who is my father? Who are my brothers and sisters? He's not denouncing his earthly relationships. He's not saying that I have no value in them. But what he is saying is the number one relationship that I have is with my father. So then he he, uh, comes back and he says, those who do the will of my father That's my brother. What did he just do? He didn't shut out his family. He opened up his family. He didn't say, that's not my family. He said, these are also my family. The ones that I'm ministering to right now. The ones that are doing the will of my father. The ones that are helping me achieve my purpose. And that I'm helping them achieve their purpose. My family has just been enlarged. My relationship, my sphere of influence has just enlarged. And now I have an influence that's beyond just my mother, my sisters, my brothers. Because the number one relationship that I have is with my father. And those that think in line with that, they become part of my family. And so we've been identifying this area of relationships. Last week, we got into... Uh, when you don't understand the purpose of something, you will abuse it. If you don't understand the purpose for relationships, you will abuse it. And there's people that are entering into relationship abuse because they haven't understood that the reason you enter into a relationship is kingdom purpose. And so now they're entering a relationship for affirmation. They're, af- they're entering relationships for uh, social status. If I hang out with these people, then I'll, people will think I'm this kind of person or I'll get to this place. And so what happens is, is we end up putting pressures and weights on people that they're not designed to carry. God said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. See, now we're asking people to do something for us that they can't do. They're not designed to. If you allow people to, they will throw all your stuff on you. But God's the one who we're supposed to be casting that stuff to. 
God is the one. See, a proper relationship will say, look, I'll be praying for you and I'll help encourage you, but you need to take your cares to God. He can carry them. He can carry that weight. He can carry that burden. See, God wouldn't tell you to do something that he wasn't capable of doing. So when he says, cast your cares on me, guess what? He's ready and waiting for you to cast the cares. Just a little side note, when you cast the cares, don't pick them back up. (laughs) I heard a minister say that, you know, uh, he gave an altar call one day and people came down, they were casting their cares, and then at the end of service he was shaking hands on, they were still carrying the stuff. And he's like, well, when you put it down here, you should have left it there. Don't pick it back up and take it back out the door with you. But we do that. Cast our cares on God and then leave them there. Let him care for you. Let peace reign in your mind and in your soul. Amen? And so today I want to talk uh, about the subject that I've been wanting to get into. Um, I believe that this uh, subject is really going to bring life. You know, I like to say this. Any area that I refuse or do not minister in, any subject that I do not touch on, is an area that opens you up for attack from the enemy. Let me say that again. Any area or subject that I do not teach on is an area where the enemy can attack you. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm too shy as a pastor to talk about finances, then I can expect you to probably have some issues with finances in your life because you haven't been able to develop faith in that area to come against the enemy. If I, don't want to, if I don't want to talk about marriage relationships or if I don't want to talk about, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, take care of your kids. And that's like the three things that, you know, pastors aren't allowed to talk about. Money, marriages, and raising kids. Those are the things we're not allowed to touch on. We can touch on, you know, tell me how I'm an overcomer. Tell me I'm more than a, more than a conqueror. But don't talk about my kids. Don't talk about my marriage. But look, any area that I don't bring the word in is an area that you become susceptible in an attack from the enemy. So where I want to go today is an area that I want to make sure that we overcome in every time this tries to come up in our lives. And we've been talking about relationships. We've been trying to get a proper picture of what a relationship looks like, what are relationships for. Today, I want to talk about relationships that we need to avoid. The title of my message today is the dislike button. Anybody wish Facebook had a dislike button? (laughs) Yeah, they got the like button. You can like it, but then when you see something, it's like, I guess if I just don't like it, that means that I didn't like it, but... Sometimes you just want to put the thumbs down and say, no, man, that's, you don't need to say that. You don't need to go there. And so we're talking about why don't you like me? And so I want to cover some areas today in relationships to avoid, re- relationships that uh, these are signs. And I'm going to actually give you three types of relationships today that with characteristics and everything that we can begin to identify, I'm in an unhealthy relationship. Anyone ever heard that term, healthy or unhealthy relationship? Relationships can be unhealthy. And you know when something is unhealthy, there are symptoms and signs that it's dying. And when something is unhealthy, it can infect other areas that it wasn't even trying to attack in the first place. 
If you have a a virus or something in your body, they want to take care of that. They don't want it to spread to the rest of the body. And it may have attacked one specific area like your lungs, but if you're not careful, that thing can spread to other areas of your body and infect it, and then the whole thing ends up dying. And the enemy has created a culture today of unhealthy, dysfunctional relationships. Because we talked about the importance of the relationship. God understands relationships. God understands that if you can get hooked up with the right people in your life, there is nothing that can stop you. But the enemy also knows the importance of relationships. And the enemy knows that if I can get you hooked up with the wrong people, you will never do anything for God's kingdom. We, we, we said, you know, all our lives we have... Uh, Everybody in this room has had, a, has had an opportunity to get hooked up with the wrong person that tries to get you on the wrong path to do the wrong thing and ruin your entire life. I know people like that today, simply because of, of irrational relationships, simply because of dysfunctional, hurting relationships. I know people today that aren't in the earth anymore because of the people that they hung around. Even when they had the mind not to do something, they got around something that was stronger than they were, and they're no longer here because they became susceptible because of the people they hung around. It's very dangerous. And so we have to understand, I'm not trying to bring a lot of weight to this. I'm not trying to, you know, do anything that's more to grab your attention. But I want us to understand that when you understand the purpose of relationships, there's more weight there. I'm not just communicating and entering and associating with just anybody anymore. There's, there, there's a line. There's a, there is a, 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 a group that I know is going to help me achieve what God has called me to do, and I want to get around those people. And so we want to talk about those that we need to avoid. Uh, look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. One thing that I want to let you know up front, uh, you know, because anytime we start talking about people not to be around in church, uh, for some reason we just jump to the conclusion that we're being told we can't hang out with the world anymore. Uh, We can't have any association with people that are doing wrong. And we're going to bring clarity to all that today. We're going to answer all the questions. We're going to answer the unequally yoked questions. We're going to answer, uh, you know, when do you stop talking to someone? When do you cut them off? We're going to answer all those questions. I'm going to tell you right now, most of what we're going to talk about today is a last resort. just want to make that clear. Because when you look at Jesus, you'll actually find out that he hung out with people that most religious people didn't want to hang out with. And he didn't really spend a whole lot of time with religious people who we think we're supposed to hang out with. Now, again, you know, and as church people, we just we have to learn to find the middle of the road. We, we've got to quit jumping into ditches. We've got to find the middle of the road, and we've got to stay there. That also doesn't mean that we go and hang out with the world because we're trying to win them to Christ. We're going to define association. We're going to define hanging out with. And we're going to define what those relationships ought to look like. But you'll find that Jesus actually hung out with the world. But there's an entity 
that Jesus had in his life that if we don't develop in our lives, we won't be in a proper position to hang out with the world and associate with them. And so we need to identify these things. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is you. This is you now. As a believer in the kingdom of God, as a kingdom citizen, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you confessed him and made him the Lord of your life, your spirit was instantly made new. Now, you're a three-part being. Everybody in this room, you have three parts. There's nobody that is uh, excluded. You are a spirit. That's the real you. That is who you are. You possess a soul which is your mind and your will and your emotions. And then you live in a body. But you are a spirit first and foremost. And so the first thing we have to understand is who you're already in relationship with. Because when you, when you understand who you're in a relationship with, it'll keep you from entering a relationship that you shouldn't be in. For example, I am in a relationship with my wife, We are married. So now that limits me and that keeps me and helps me avoid relationships that I should not be in. Because of this relationship here, I don't carry myself around certain individuals the same way. So understanding who I'm already in a relationship with helps me understand how to enter this type of relationship with. You'll find out a lot of times through God's word in the Old Testament that God called his people, Israel, an adulterous nation. Well, what's adultery? Adultery is simply when you are in a relationship with one person, but you act improperly with another relationship. That's simply what that is. And he was talking about his nation, Israel, as having put a different kind of relationship before their relationship with their father. They got it out of priority. They got it out of line, and they began to act this way with a certain group of people, worshiping their idols and and marrying their women, and the people that God had sent his nation in to destroy, they ended up taking on what they believed, and they became just like them, and they became an adulterous nation because they were already in relationship with their father. So the first thing we need to understand is who am I already in relationship with and how does that affect these relationships? The first type of relationship that I want to identify today is compromise. Compromise. It's the first type of relationship, first relationship that we have all been faced with. And so we want to bring some clarity to this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You'll find in this book, in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, that Paul was dealing with a very dysfunctional church. Remember, these letters are not just written to you and I and written to people. They were actually written to churches. And Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. And when you read the book of Corinthians, you'll find out that this church was just a mess. There was a few things that 
uh, he was able to commend them on. But for the most part, this church was dysfunctional. This church was operating in some things that church people just shouldn't be operating in. And so Paul covers a lot in this book. It's actually very heavy. And in chapter 5, he brings up a very touchy subject, brings up something that was happening in the church that, you're, that we would think today, my goodness, that was going on in church? But there was an individual that was sleeping with his father's wife, a stepmom. Not his mom, but a stepmom. And on top of that, the church was prideful about it and didn't want to kick the guy out, didn't want to bring correction to the guy's life. And so Paul covers a few things here, and he identifies different relationships. He talks about the marriage relationship. He talks about, uh, you know, uh, the bond-servant relationship, coworker to employee and uh, uh, employer-to-employee type relationship. He covers all of it. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, In verse 15, he says this, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. What is he saying? He's saying you are already in a relationship with Christ. So when you step out into these type of things and you enter a relationship with people that are outside of Christ, you are in one sense committing an adulterous act. You're entering a relationship that is outside of the relationship that your father has. Now you got to understand that Paul addresses two different types here. He identifies relationships with the world who is expected to sin, expected to operate outside of God's word. But then he also addresses a relationship with believers who are living in sin and and identified as doing something wrong. And there's two different ways that you handle that. First of all, you have to understand that you are light in darkness. Does everyone understand that? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The only reason that light ever ever should enter into darkness is to change it. If it's dark and you bring light into the situation, it's to eradicate the darkness, not become it. The only time light ever has association with darkness is to bring light to the situation, to the room. So for us as believers, when we operate with the world, when you have co-workers that don't know Jesus, it's to bring the light to them, not become like them. It's the only time light has association with darkness. In essence, you can put it this way. Our association with unbelievers and the world, as the Bible calls it, is to help them see the light of Jesus in your life. Because we're the light of the world. Those relationships are to be developed so that you can help bring them closer to God. So they can come 
to know God. So that doesn't mean that we partake and we compromise in that union. That's not a relationship that we should enter in and we are one way with them and then one way with God. It's because of who I am, because of the relationship I have with my father, this is how I'm going to treat this relationship. You need to get to know my father. See, spiritual growth is not just so we can become prideful and that we can become spiritual and become puffed up and say, look at how much of the Bible I know and look at how many times I go to church. Spiritual growth is for other people. The stronger you are, the more you can help somebody else. The reason we need to grow up spiritually, the reason that we need to get our lives straight and get our lives right is so when we get around people that are messed up and that don't know Jesus, we have something to take to them. We have change to bring to their lives. But what happens is, is we get around people that are dealing with things in the world and we as the church, we end up compromising And that can't happen. You know, I I remember, you know, and and we've heard it. Most of us have heard it that, you know, the things that I have battled in my life and the things that I have gone through in my life, they help me relate to certain people. And there's truth to that, no doubt. There's truth. If there's something that I've come through in my life and I've overcome and I've whipped it and I've won, I can look at someone who's going through the same thing and say, man, you can do it because the same thing happened in my life and I overcame it. But I want to tell you this. There is nothing that can relate to anybody in this world better than the word of God. The word of God contains every resource, every power that that person needs to whip, whether you've been through their place, whether you've been in their place, been through their shoes or not. I remember I had a a friend of mine that said that he wanted to get tattoos because he felt that it would help him in ministry, be able to minister to people, you know, younger generation. They would listen to him. If, if I have tattoos, you know, then they think I'm one of them. You realize Jesus never did any of the stuff that he helped bring people out of. Never did. He didn't have to be an alcoholic to help someone get out of alcoholism. He didn't have to fornicate or commit adultery to help someone that was caught in that. He was the word of God. He related He said, regardless if if I've been in your situation, I know how to get you out of your situation. So we need to be responsible to develop and grow ourselves up to be able to help people that are in those type of situations. Now, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a godly home and I grew up with parents that raised me right and kept me around the word and and, uh, you know, made sure that I had good godly friends that I associated with. At, let me tell you this, parents. You need to know who, you're, who your children are hanging around. This, this whole thing in the world of, you know, we'll, we'll just let them learn. And, you know, they'll, they'll, you've got the greatest thing, the greatest tool in the world to, to help guide them and direct them. We need to be involved in our children's lives. 
children. Doesn't matter how old they are. You need to know where they're staying the night at. You need to know what friends they're associating with. You need to know who they're talking to on the phone and who they're hanging out with and going to the parties with. You need to know that stuff. And you need to identify when you see a relationship that could potentially hurt them. And you need to do everything to guard and protect them. You know, so I'm I'm thankful, you know, and and, and sometimes, you know, that would bother me. I just, you know, I don't have a testimony. You know, how am I supposed to help anybody? I never did this or did that. But I know that I have the, it doesn't matter what people come to me with. Doesn't matter. I don't care how dark your past has been. I don't care what you've come through. I don't care what you're battling right now. I can help you. Jesus can help you. And I'm going to take you to Jesus. His Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And if you get the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can operate in self-control. You can operate in love. You can operate in joy and peace and all the other fruits of the Spirit. And you can live by the principle of this word just like anybody else. My background has nothing to do with it because I can make the decision today to relent from all that this says and turn and walk away. We all have that option. Does it make me any better than anybody else? And when people feel like, you know, I don't really, uh, you know, understand them or, or know what they've been through, I don't have to. I just know how to get you out. I know what the answer is. That's all that matters. When, when, when it's all said and done, that's all that matters is, here's the answer. I have a way to pull you out. And so as believers, we've got to be cautious of relationships that would cause us to compromise our relationship with our Father. Again, when we have that in the proper priority, We will maintain all of our earthly relationships properly because we have this relationship in priority. This is number one. And then not only that, but not only will it keep you, but you will also be able to help them. We've got to be cautious uh, of these types of relationships. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You are, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're already in relationship with someone. And we need to allow that relationship to govern and control all of our other relationships. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has the believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This simply means... See, a yoke was something that was placed upon two oxen back in the day when they would farm the fields. They had to use oxen to plow the ground. And 
to get the two oxen to do the same thing at the same time, they would put a yoke around their necks. And they would both operate in unison. And neither one had the authority or the ability to break apart from the other. Sounds like a pretty tight relationship. When you have become yoked to someone to that point, then you get yourself in a position where you're doing what they're doing. You, you're, you're getting in a position with someone that doesn't love God, doesn't love Jesus, doesn't... I, I mean, those are relationships that are going to hinder you and hurt you. Those are the relationships that we have to learn to avoid. Now, that does not mean do not associate with. Because that word communion is also a very strong word. And that word means to associate uh, in, uh, as with intercourse. Now, we're not talking sexual intercourse. We're just talking the, the tightness of that type of bond that comes when you enter that type of relationship. You'd, be, you'd want to be cautious in having a business partner that didn't know Jesus, that didn't serve God. And you have to be cautious to the point where you know what level you're on. See, I could bring, uh, you know, on my key ring, I have like one of those little remotes that has a little light on it. And I could bring that in this room and it's not going to do much. But now if I turn the lights out, it would do a little bit more. But now if I turn these lights out and say the windows were blacked out, these lights here would definitely be strong enough to light up the room. And then the strongest of them all are the ones that are in the ceiling that light up this room no matter how dark it is outside. You got to know what level you're on and you got to know what you're taking on. You don't want to get around people that are dealing with something that maybe you've dealt with or that you've struggled with to the point that it could be a temptation to you. And so instead of you helping pick them up, they're helping bring you down. And now we're in a relationship that's hurtful. Now we're in an unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship, and we're not able to help. We're not achieving our purpose, and we're definitely not helping them achieve their purpose. But man, when you enter those type of relationships, knowing that I'm light and they're darkness, but I'm coming in bringing the light, then guess what? You're bringing your purpose to the table, and overall, you're going to help them achieve their purpose. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus never got around those type of people and did what they did to become one of them or to be able to relate to them. No, he just remained the light, surrounded by darkness. He became light, and he achieved his purpose, and then he helped them achieve their purpose in the kingdom of God. We've got to understand how to Enter in these relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Go back over to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 5. I told you what Paul was addressing at the beginning of this chapter. And down here in verse 9, he brings a clarifying statement. And in verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean 
with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. See, there are some believers that have gone to the extreme with this, and so they've set up their own little camps where it's just Christians and just believers. But let me help identify something. That is also hindering your purpose. Because you are in the earth to be a light in darkness. So why are you going to take the light and hide it? Jesus said the light should be hidden or should be placed upon a hill so everybody could see it. We're not here to create a little Christian communicator, uh, community where it's just a bunch of Christians, just a bunch of people that love Jesus. We're just going to praise God all day long. But those things exist. When he said separate from the world, he didn't, see, he didn't mean separate from the world physically. He meant separate from the world in your mind. Because if you think like them, you'll act like them. Remember, we said that uh, you enter a relationship not just physically, but you enter relationships mentally. When God looked at his nation, Israel, he didn't look at them as a bunch of different people. He looked at them as one people, one nation, with one heart, one faith, serving one God. That were like-minded. And when you begin to think like the world, you'll act like the world. But if I can be in the world, like Jesus said, and not of it, then we can achieve our purpose. Can be in the world and not actually become the world. Verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now what's he talking about here? a brother, a believer. Now he's not talking about the world. Now he's talking about someone that knows Jesus like you know Jesus, that claims to serve God like you serve God, that goes to church like you go to church. And if that person is operating like the world, now there's a separation that comes. What he's talking about here is church discipline. It is the church's responsibility to operate in discipline and hold people accountable to living to the word of God. That's the church's responsibility. Uh, just the, uh, the chapter before that, in chapter 5, he said, okay, that guy that's doing that thing in your church and you guys are all prideful and puffed up about it, you need to deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. What in the world does that mean? I mean, now we're getting, now it's getting tight. I'm supposed to take someone who is a believer and a brother in the kingdom of God and deliver him to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Here's what he's saying. Don't try to do what God is not doing in a person's life. Heard a minister, uh, had a story. Uh, he's a minister up in West Virginia, and he had a gentleman who I, I believe was his praise and worship leader, at least on the praise and worship team. Had been, uh, you know, with them for a while, been at the church for a while, served with them, but some stuff started to arise, and 
uh, he had to, you know, call him on it. And he knew, you know what, I probably should ask him to step down. We probably shouldn't keep him in this position, but, you know, I'm going to give him another chance. The guy begged him for another chance. The guy said, look, I'll get it right. I, I can get it right. And so he did. But deep down, and he knew that he should have pulled him off, should have had him step down. Well, sure enough, over maybe a year, maybe a couple years, an issue arose where he was sleeping with someone in the church, and he was married. And uh, he went to God about it, and, and, and it, it caused a big thing in the church and just a big mess, as those things do. And um, went to God about it, and God just told him point blank. He said, you tried to do something with someone that I wasn't even doing anything with. You tried to override me. I told you that he needed to, be, he needed to step down. I told you that he needed to pull, be pulled out of that position. And you try to help someone that I couldn't even help. See, the Holy Spirit is already working on people way before you show up. That's what I tell people, you know, when, when we have to address something or, you know, if there's counseling or discipline that's involved. First thing I tell them is, I'm the second person to bring this up to you. At least the second person, if not more. Because you have someone living down on the inside of you that's been giving you red flags the entire time. And you overrode those. And so now God is using me to step in and say, hey, we need to change something here. And so God told him, I've already been dealing with him and he's rejected me. What makes you think he was going to do something because of you? You should have listened to me and should have done what I told you to do. These things are necessary. Why? Because believers are to be held accountable. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I don't want to go to church because I feel like just people judge me. We don't judge the world. Why? Because we know what the world is going to do. We know what the world's going to expect. I don't look at someone who's living in the world and, and living by the world's principles and say, man, you're, you're dying and going to hell. That's what a judge does. But people have a hard time coming to church because they feel that they're going to get judged and, and they feel that they're going to get condemned, but they just don't know the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction says, I want to bring this up to you because I want to get you out of it. Condemnation says, I'm bringing this up to you because I want you to stay in it. Jesus said in John chapter 3, I have not come to condemn the world. There's already a condemner that's running around the world making people feel bad enough for everything they're doing. We, they don't need us doing it. We don't need to be running out there in the malls and in Walmart and Target and condemning people for the way that they live. They're in the world. That's what they do. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would convict the world. But now conviction comes because I want to see you get it right. Conviction has your best interests at heart. Condemnation has my best interests at heart. Condemnation wants to make me feel better than you. Conviction says I want you to get out of the stuff because I know God can get you out of it. That's the difference. Look at this in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brethren, brethren. 
brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. This verse is chock full of stuff. First of all, brethren, he's not talking to unbelievers. Unbelievers have uh, no business going to each other and pointing out stuff that they're doing wrong. But brethren, people in the church, if you see someone sinning, if you see someone that is out of line of God's word, it is our due diligence and responsibility to identify it to that person. Why? To restore them. The intent is always restoration. The intent is never to belittle. The intent is never to get rid of. The intent is always to restore someone's life. It's your best interest at heart, not mine. And we have that responsibility with each other in a spirit of gentleness. But watch this, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Consider yourself lest you fall into the same thing that they're falling into. So there's a responsibility that we have in these relationships inside the church not to compromise, even when it's another believer. We talked about compromising with the world, but now he's bringing up don't compromise even in your church relationships. If you see someone failing, go to them, go to them in love, go to them with the word, and go to them with the intention to restore them and see them get it right. I just want to see you get it right. I just want to see you achieve all that God has called you to do. Then the relationship is prosperous. Then the relationship is doing what God purposed it to do. I help you achieve your purpose and you help me achieve my purpose. So we have that responsibility. The second one that I want to talk about is draining relationships. And some of us may have been involved in these kind of relationships. The thing you have to understand about relationships is relationships are investment. When you enter a relationship with someone, you are investing in someone. There's an investment that takes, care, that takes place there. If you invest financially in the world, you don't just put money in a bank and forget about it. You put money in, and you're waiting for it to yield a return. The thing that we have to be cautious with, and I see this happen a lot, is entering relationships that are only one way. Getting in a relationship where the person is getting nothing in, in return. And a relationship doesn't operate that way. Now, there's times that God will have you bless people and, and God will have you in a person's uh, life for a time period. But when this is a prolonged thing and they're draining you of your time, draining you of your uh, 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 physical investment and draining you sometimes of financial investment. You ever had that person that only shows up when they need something? You ever had that person that's just needy? Just always wanting something, always asking for something, uh, you know, always needing this, always needing that. And, and when everything is going good, they, you don't know where they're at. 
when they actually do have something to give, they're not giving it away. They're keeping it to themselves. But then when they need something, here they come around. Nobody wants to be in a relationship like that. Nobody wants to be in a relationship where someone else is taking, 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 and never giving, giving, giving. I need, you to, I need you to pray with me about this. There's always something to pray about. But then when you have something that you need them to pray with you about, are they praying about it? I mean, if, if this person is identified as, you know, every time you guys get ready to go out to eat, they wait for you to foot the bill. Yeah. You don't want to be that kind of person. And you don't want to have relationships with those kind of people that are always taking and never giving. We all have something to give. Whether it may be small or large, we can give something. And we need to be people that are making investment back. Because when you make an investment, you want to reap a return. How about this? Where you're believing God with someone for something. Or, uh, you know, you're investing in them, maybe discipling them, maybe training them up. But they just keep failing at the same thing over and over and over. After a while, we need to see some growth and some, and some development. After a while, I, there's no timetable on it. But what you want to see is a return on the investment that's being made. I've been sharing the word with you. I've been telling you how to overcome that. I've been showing you how you can get rid of that. I've been showing you how you can stop doing that. And all you're doing is taking, 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 taking of my time. We're sitting here. We've had these talks. We've had these meetings. We've had these discussions. We've read over the verses. And still, a year later, and we're still battling the same thing. Two years, three years. No return on the investment. Now, I'm not saying you always need to be looking for something, but what I am saying is if, that, if you are investing more time here than you are here, you will get drained. I've seen people get into health issues because of that. Because they're always giving out, and they're never just sitting back and let people give to them. You've got to let people pour into your life. You've got to let people invest in your life. There are relationships that if you get in the right relationships, they will always, you'll hang up the phone and you'll feel filled up, not drained. You'll leave lunch and leave dinner with that person and feel, man, I'm encouraged. I am edified. They had a word for me. I was at work just yesterday and I just told this, there's this guy that I work with. He's a great guy. He's 34 years old. I said, man, you need to get married, man. He's like, man, why do you say that? I'm like, did, he's like, did God tell you to say that? I said, you just need to get married. I said, you're a great guy. You got a good head on your shoulders. There are women out there that are looking for a guy like you, yet they're getting with trash. You're a good guy. And at the end, I was walking out the door, had my keys in my hand. He said, man... Thank you for telling me that. That was, that was just encouraging. That really made my day. Okay, whatever. I just, something simple. Didn't even take that much. It doesn't take much. But we need to get in relationships that go both ways. I'm going to tell you right now, God has people lined up in your life that will invest in you. They won't just take all the time. 
they'll look for ways to give back. It might be a letter. It might be a phone call. It might be, uh, you know, helping you out with a certain bill. It might be uh, just, you know, just something nice that's investing in you. It may be a word of God in due season. We've got to get around relationships that go both ways. It's unhealthy, it's dysfunctional, and it's dangerous to stay in those kind of relationships. The third one. The third one is ungodly soul ties. Ungodly soul ties. We've been talking about prioritizing your relationships and when we're talking about being yoked together, you got to understand that that doesn't necessarily happen physically. But it happens in the soul realm. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I've seen people in these type of relationships where they have soul ties to the point where their mind, their will, their emotions, their perceptions of life, their plans for life are tied around another individual. It goes a little bit with what we were talking about last week with affirmation. If you are always doing things or not doing things in life because you're worried about what someone else is going to think of you, you are in an unhealthy relationship. In Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus addresses the yoke issue. I'm not saying you're not supposed to be yoked to something, but I'm going to show you what we need to be yoked to, what we need to be in union and connection with. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, light is relative. I can go in the gym and get up under 175 pounds, and that'll be pretty heavy for me. It's not what I would lift on a regular basis. But now in St. Augustine, we have a guy named uh, Mike, Pastor Mike, who can bench over 500 pounds, no problem. So he gets underneath that, and it is light for him. Jesus is saying, the burden that I have for you, you can carry it. What's the Bible say? He won't put anything on you that you cannot handle. He knows exactly what you can handle. But other people don't. And if you try to carry the weights and pressures from other people, you will break. You will snap. You can't carry it. If you're trying to carry, uh, trying to live up to someone else's idea of you, if you're trying to uh, have someone else's passion. You know, I, I, I tell people that serve with us here in ministry that I'm not looking for yes men. 
I want you to be passionate about the ministry because you're passionate about the ministry and you're passionate about the area that you serve in. I don't want you to serve there. Well, you know, Pastor Mark said I'd be a good fit here. Pastor Mark asked me to. Pastor Mark, but you know, I just, I really don't enjoy it here. I just don't really like it. Look, that's for you to decide. And if you're only doing it for me, you will snap and break under that pressure. That's not a burden you were designed to carry. But now when you do it because Jesus has said, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I am strong. Now you can carry it. So we got to be careful in those relationships where we're trying to live up to someone else's standard, trying to carry someone else's passion. We're going through life making decisions of, well, what would this person think if I got that kind of house? Or what would they think if I bought that kind of car? What are they going to think if I, if I quit this job and take this job? That's not for other people to decide. You need to know that you are in God's will, period. He's the one that you're living for. We said last week that people cannot affirm your life. If you're trying to get a slap on the back from somebody, you'll get a handshake, a thank you. They're not going to be able to do it. That, that will break for you. But when you do everything, as Colossians chapter 3 says, as unto the Lord, God did not create us to be men pleasers. He created us to please him. He called us to serve people, but to serve them as we serve the Lord. Amen. So these soul ties are where we get connected to people, get attached to people in our mind, in our will, in our emotions. And here's what happens. If you don't detach from those type of relationships, you won't properly attach to the right relationships because you'll be giving yourself way too much over here. I, I, I mean, I, I've seen it where, you know, people carry the hurt and the burden and the weight from a previous marriage and they get married again, but they carry that with them. You have to disconnect from that and you have to say, I'm giving myself to you. I'm connecting to you. You have to detach. Well, it's the same thing with Jesus. You won't properly put on the yoke that Jesus wants you to carry if we don't detach from the yoke that other people are trying to put on us. When we can get rid of and break that yoke, then we can take on his yoke. And his yoke is light. His yoke will care for you. His yoke is gentle. His yoke is lowly in heart. God, Jesus wants to be your soul tie. See, we need to be in relationship with God to where our mind, our will, and our emotions are tied to him, not another person. When I do something in life, I need to be thinking, God, is that what you want me to do? Not, Mom, is that what you want me to do? I mean, if, if I was set out to please my parents, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be in Texas. Close. But I've set out to please God. I've set out to please my Father, my Heavenly Father. The relationship that takes priority above all else. I want to please Him. And when I please Him, I'll serve these relationships properly. 
When I maintain this relationship, I'll keep these relationships properly. Amen? I had a friend, a very close friend, uh, down in St. Augustine. And um, he had a past, dealt with some things in his past, and came to St. Augustine, came to church, and was growing, learning the kingdom life, learning to uh, produce kingdom results in his life, was serving in church, uh, began going to our uh, Bible school program. And uh, probably about three or four years, I guess, that he was coming, growing, getting in the right relationships, getting around people that would say, man, you don't want to do that anymore. That's not, who you, that's not what you want to do. That's not who you want to be. Getting around relationships where we're going to uplift him, encourage him, and help draw out the greatness that was inside of him. But for his 30th birthday, his past called some friends of his, and uh, he decided to entertain his past entertain relationships that didn't care about his purpose. See, you should never look at a person as bigger than their purpose. You need to look at people for the purpose that God has given them, not for the person. You can love people. You can have emotions for people. You can feel a certain way, but we need to learn to be moved by the purpose that is inside of them, not the person that's on the outside. And he got around friends that maybe loved him, cared about him. They didn't care about his purpose. They didn't care that he had a purpose. They didn't care that greatness was inside of him. And his 30th birthday was his last day on the planet. We got to be careful with the people that we associate with. We've got to be careful with the relationships. You need to identify, is that relationship helping me or hurting me? Is that relationship investing in me? Is that something that is worth me investing in? And look, you've got to be worth investing in too. <laughs> you've got to be the one that when someone does identify something, you've got to say, man, you're right. I just want to grow. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you. For having my purpose and my best interest at heart. Thank you for not loving me on the outside and saying, well, you know, I don't really want to bring that up because I don't know if it will, we'll still be friends. Thank you for saying that in spite of how you thought I might react. We've got to be people that will entertain the right relationships and be the right relationship for someone else. We've got to take this into, into practice, into thought. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is life, that your word brings peace. Father, I thank you today that you are identifying in our lives today the relationships that we have. It may be friends, it may be work-related, it may be uh, 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 co-workers. Uh, Father, whatever it is, any relationship that we're involved in, we want to live for you. And we want to keep our relationship with you first priority. And because of that, 
we will maintain all of our other relationships biblically, properly, and they will be prosperous. We will grow from them and we'll help grow other people. We thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we want to take up our tithe and offering at this time. If you need an offering envelope, our ushers uh, will uh, be quick to get you one. Also, if this is your first time with us, we've got several guests with us today. If this is your first time, please raise your hand. We want to get a welcome card to you. If you could please just fill out that card and uh, get it in the offering envelope. We've got some stuff that we want to send to you. We want to connect with you uh, and, and make a connection. Amen. Hallelujah. God is growing us. God is developing us. Amen. God's doing some awesome things in our lives. I want to bring this also uh, to your remembrance. Today is Vision Sunday. What does that mean? The third Sunday of every month is your opportunity to give to the vision. The vision is bigger than us. The vision uh, is beyond us. But if we start collecting, start preparing for the vision today, God is going to do some awesome things in our lives and uh, we'll have access to what we need uh, to be able to advance the vision that God has given us. Amen. So as the Holy Spirit has laid on your hearts, as, as he has prepared you, uh, you know, give accordingly. Amen. We're excited about the vision that God has given us. And even though I may not know all of it, even though I may not have a full recollection of it, I know I want to be prepared. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this time to give. We thank you for this time to sow into your kingdom. We thank you that we get to make investment in your soil, in your ground. The seed that we're placing in today, Father, you have promised that it will reap. You have promised that we will be given back by giving to you. We give to you today, Father, not because uh, we're looking for a return, but because you've already given to us, given us the greatest gift of all. So, Father, we give to you out of our hearts, out of love, out of a desire to see the kingdom of God advance in this city. We thank you that every seed that is sown today is blessed. Every family, every individual that's giving is blessed because they have given into the kingdom. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to uh, make a couple quick announcements. Um, throw this out there. We have uh, Lisa Biles now. If y'all don't know, she is now our church administrator. So we've been doing some administration over the last month or so, getting some paperwork together and different things. So there's a couple things that we need. Uh, first of all, if you attended our recent uh, vision partner meeting and you have... Uh,